0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking out LJN Radio. Whether you're listening on iTunes or through the local job network, we're definitely glad to have you with us today. Now, this is the LJN Radio Quad, where we bring in our experienced colleagues to discuss a variety of employment related topics. I'm Tim Yuma, and with me in the studio today, we have Jamie Goble. Hello. Roselle Rogers. Hi, everyone. And Sarah Holloway.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Now, we have a terrific mix of experience among the three of you, uh, different departments, different perspectives. I think that's really cool. Um, But I'm going to kick things off for the episode and get your take on referring a friend to work at your company. The way I look at it, there's really two angles. One, the person who's actually looking for the job. What can they do? What can they say to their friend that works there, maybe to prepare or have a better chance to get that job? And then secondly, for the employee who's thinking about referring someone. So you you currently work at this place and you're like, hey, my friend might be a good fit here what should they think about or do before actually making that referral? Like, so I'm going to quickly say, personally, I'm one to be extremely cautious to refer somebody because I just feel like that's a lot of pressure on me and on them because if it's not the right fit, how does that look on me? Mm-hmm. That's just my take. Maybe it's a little negative, but I wanted to get the perspective of each of you of kind of those angles. What should they do? What should they think about if they want to kind of follow through with this?
1: I completely agree with you, Tim. You know, since it's it's reflecting on you you know, how they act at work, you have to be very careful with this. You know, maybe you want to tell them some certain boundaries, set boundaries right away Mm -hmm. off the bat, even before they even go for the interview and just kind of have that expectation of, you know, um, especially if you're in a higher position, you want to establish that right away and say, you know, just let's keep things strictly professional. Don't be offended if, I don't have the time to chat or something throughout the day mm-hmm. with you but um we can definitely, you know, follow up with each other after work but yeah, keep it very separate. Right. I also
2: think that referring someone like you said is serious business and mm-hmm. they really need to consider this carefully because they're attaching their name sure. to that referral. They're essentially endorsing that uh, that that applicant and The company trusts them to only refer good people. So um, they should also consider not just the skill requirements, but also one's work ethic, their character, their values, and if they will be a good match to the company culture.
3: I agree, Roselle. I think this is a really big one. We, you know, want employee referrals in our organization. We're very excited about them. The one thing to consider is, you know, on the job seeker end, you know, there's a lot of times people know the industry I'm in, so they think I can help them find a job. And, you know, I'm very cautious as well, Tim, because I might know that person, but I don't know their work history. Sure. I don't know their work ethic and some of those character things Roselle was speaking to. So one of the things I like to do is ask that person, what are you looking for to really gauge do I think it would be the right fit, even if I know they've done a similar role somewhere else? Mm-hmm. That will allow me to kind of identify some core differences and just be really upfront with them about what those different are, whether, you know, positive or maybe even negative, where I don't th- think that it might be a good fit. I just want to make sure they're aware ahead of time. Sure. I think when job seekers are going to ask somebody to help them to get a job or to be referred. They really need to invest and look into that company and ask the right questions because it shows that they're really interested and they're just not wanting a job, any job. And I'm kind of cautious when it comes to that. If I know that person is really engaged, they've done their homework, they know what the job is, I think I can vouch for them, then I would be more willing to do it. For the person who's already working with the company, I think, you know, they just want to make sure, like Roselle said, you know, you know enough about them to at least know that they would be a good person Hmm. and have those character and those traits that the company is looking for that wouldn't reflect Mm -hmm. negatively on you. And being very forward with that job seeker, too, that, you know, this is, you know, my reputation, you know, this job is very important to me. I just want to make sure that, you know, there's no boundaries crossed like uh, Sarah mentioned, but even just in the interview stage or communication with the employer.
0: So would you say then, and again, I've never been in that situation one way or another. I, I I've never really been asked, at least as far as being referred at that company that I was working at. But would you say then that it's the employer's. Job to worry about whether or not that person has the skills to do it, whereas you, as the referral, you really just need to work on or worry about the character and the personality. I guess I just want to make sure that that's kind of coming across and I, that's correct.
3: I think to a degree, okay. I think it depends. You know, if somebody's applying for a sales position and you know they've never done anything in sales before, you're going to want to find out why this interest in sales, what would they have to bring to the table that mm-hmm. could be a good stepping stone at least. So I think to some degree, you got to know that they've got some kind of relevant background that is going to mesh into that role.
0: Sure. All right. Now, have any of you here actually referred somebody to a company you are currently working at?
3: I have. And actually, it's uh, somebody that's very successful in our organization today, thankfully. (laughs) All right.
0: Good. Roselle?
3: (laughs) No, I have not. Okay. Sarah? I
1: actually was going to for a certain position, but then I had to step back and really think about um, their track record. Mm-hmm. Because I knew back then when we were younger that they would party a little too much the <laughs> night before and then go to work late. And so that really made me think twice about the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, something to think about. And I think a lot of good tips from, from each of you here. And I guess, again, those different angles and perspectives. I, I have not done it either. I'm one to be very cautious in a lot of cases anyway. So proceed with caution if you are going to do it, but it doesn't mean you can't by any means. Uh, Okay, let's say that referral did get the job or anybody did get a job. I'm actually going to turn it over to Roselle to take it from there. Kind of the idea of what's next.
2: Yeah, so people work hard to get a job. Now that they've got the job, what are they supposed to do to make a good first impression on their first day of work? I think that's an important thing for them to think about because how they act in those first few days are very critical. Mm. I mean, their work ethic is probably the most visible during those first few days. So Mm -hmm. what kind of tips can we give them? I'll throw a couple in there and then please feel free uh, to share your own thoughts. I'll start with a lighter one. Bring a treat. (laughs) This is the fastest, fastest, easiest way to get on people's radar and for people to get to know your name. Mm. They will be coming to you and saying thank you to you for bringing those delicious cookies. So bring a treat. (laughs) And then the second one, a little bit more on the serious side. So like I said, your work ethic and how you work. Um, It's probably the most visible, so project your enthusiasm, your high energy, ask a lot of questions, be upbeat, and this is probably not the right time to be leaving right at five. I mean, that is your work ethic that you're portraying to people. Mm -hmm. Show that. Um, So you should be on your best behavior during those first few days.
1: I agree. Um, I would say show up to work early every day Mm -hmm. and just keep doing it. I mean, that actually doesn't stop, Mm -hmm. you know,
3: so... I um, actually thought some of the things in terms of being prepared, you know, Mm -hmm. being engaged during the training, usually you're digesting a lot of information and it can be quite overwhelming, but making sure that you are asking those questions, you're alert, you're ready to learn, you're engaged and showing that you really want to understand more about the company and the role. Um, Sometimes when people start on the job, I've had experiences where they're very quiet and they're reserved and you wonder... Are they liking this? Are they not liking this? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, sticking or, you know, it's really important for us to know as trainers or people welcoming the the new team member that, you know, it's making sense and they are happy to be here and engaged and want to move
0: forward. Well, Roselle, you uh, led us to an article that kind of talked about some of those things. And one that I found interesting, and I, I get it, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't sound good, but it's the idea of don't be yourself and kind of with a caveat, obviously. But I think that does stand out, and I think we kind of all feel that a little bit because you don't you don't know what the boundaries are, as we talked about mm-hmm. with the referral side of things. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you have a little bit more of a boisterous personality or goofy, and but again, you don't know, what, can I be serious at this time and, and fun at this time? So I thought that was kind of an interesting tip that you really have to, I don't want to say tread lightly, but just be, be a little more cautious with really showing every side of yourself that first week <laughs> or few days. Um, Rosal, I love the idea, like you said, just that work ethic is really visible at that time. Like, obviously, that, that's going to be really seen. And then, Jamie, to your point, I thought the idea of homework, like doing your homework ahead of time, knowing something about the company, asking those questions, um, obviously, with my kind of background, I'm big on that. I tend to ask why a lot, which has gotten me into some trouble in the past. <laughs> but in general, it served me well, just because, again, you might not understand what the, the little nuances of the company are. And that can be difficult those first few days, that first week. And you'd hate for something like that to kind of ruin the experience. So again, I, th- I, think, I think there are a lot of valuable tips uh, with what you guys are talking about, as well as what was in that article. Have any of you had any Great or poor experiences that you would wanna share. Not that you have to mention any names, but maybe with somebody who had those first few days that it was like either, hey, that was great, or kind of like, you know, this maybe was a mistake they had.
2: Well, I think what Sarah mentioned about don't be late, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's that happens more often than you think. Um so it's to me, it's poor planning. You know you're gonna be starting, let's say, at eight o'clock. And it's going to be downtown. So you plan your route ahead of time, Mm -hmm. do a test drive to your workplace. If you've never had to come in to work as early as 745 or eight o'clock before, now is the time to start training your body clock so that you don't (laughs) hit that snooze button too often. (laughs) And then, then you become familiar with the traffic patterns. And not only that, I mean, you don't want to be start thinking about where to park on the first day of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should
1: know that ahead of time. Sure. I would agree. You know, you don't want to come in your first day or your first week all frazzled either, in a rush, because
3: that, it does reflect on your planning skills. I'm actually a part of our new hire training process. So I've, you know, over the years, witnessed a lot of new hires um, because we are a growing organization. And Oddly enough, I mean, I've seen people sleeping or, you know, staring off into space <laughs> sometimes. That's, that's like, a, you know, the, the very, very uh, worst case scenario. Sure. And it's very rare, thankfully. But that does happen. Mm-hmm. And people should know. I mean, you don't want to be yawning. You don't want to be, you know, closing your eyes. You don't want to be staring off into space <laughs> and not paying attention. You definitely want to be engaged. So,
0: And there was a mention in an article about you know, if you have the luxury, you know, really get a lot of sleep that week mm-hmm. or two weeks beforehand, just so you don't fall into that trap. And I think like we're talking about here, if you're thinking about a, somebody just out of college, as you said, Roselle, your body might not even be used to that kind of schedule yet. So mm-hmm. um, again, these are tips and information for people who have seen it and done it, have the experience. <laughs> so I always implore everyone, please listen and just pay attention. It might be you, it might not be, but just just pay attention, please. So with that, we're going to move to the next topic. Um, You know, in a position you might love it, it might be challenging. But sometimes, look, the course of a year or many years, that day-to-day grind can kind of catch up with all of us. And I thought, Jamie, uh, you had a topic that kind of relates to that idea, and really, I guess, keeping it fresh in a way.
3: Yes, definitely, Tim. Uh, One of the things that I think is important for every organization to stay on top of is how to keep employees engaged. You know it. It really is hugely important with retention and, you know, getting people to reach their personal best in any particular role. So I thought it was interesting to take a look at and, you know, some of the things as I was looking into it for myself, an article I came across that I shared with all of you Mm -hmm. talked about the whys, the five why questions. Why is it important? Why me? why now? Why do it this way? Why would I want to do this? It reminded me of you, Tim, yeah. because you are <laughs> I very like it. into that. But it is true. If people don't understand the whys, it's going to be hard for them to get on board, in which case they're not going to see that bigger picture and they're not going to be hugely mm-hmm. engaged. So wanted to get your feedback, not only in the article, but what other thoughts you have on how do we really get people to that level mm-hmm. of engagement that we're looking for as an employer? Actually, recently I read another
1: article. It was from the Harvard. Business review, and it was titled Leadership That Gets Results. And they talked about different styles of leadership. There were like six different styles. Two of them were coercive, and that's a do what I say attitude from the leader, and then authoritative, which is come with me. And I think, well, from the article I read, the authoritative approach is always more well received, where you're giving them the vision, the goal. This is where we need to be at. How are we going to get there? And then that's when you ask for the input, the ideas, the creativity. So I think that's a little more effective instead of, okay, this is what we need to do. Do it. Mm -hmm. You know, people respond positively more with, okay, openness and flexibility.
2: And I think helping them understand what the big picture is, like you said, Jamie, will help them be able to visualize what the outcome should be. Uh, not necessarily only understanding what the different steps to get to that goal are, mm-hmm. but if I know what the outcome should be, I can think of other creative ways to get there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm really engaged. I'm not just you know checking tasks off a list. Mm-hmm. so help them understand why why are we doing this? What's the larger picture, and what is the outcome that the, the vision that we want to create? One of the things that I like saying you know about our company and what I love about working here is, and whenever I'm in talking to a candidate, I say this, <laughs> we're not just putting a product on a shelf. We can do marketing. I can practice sales. I can practice HR in any company, but in this company, we're not putting a product on a shelf. We're actually helping people earn their livelihood. We're helping people find jobs. We're helping impact the community. So that is the higher purpose. And when people understand that higher purpose, they have a a stronger connection to the company.
0: Along those same lines, Rosella, something that's big for me is obviously not every company is set up the way um, ours is, where there are opportunities across departments or at least to chip in in some way. And I I think that's a big way to do it because, you know, there's almost no position that any of us could go in that's going to be a perfect fit for all of our skill set. You know, it's probably going to focus on a few of our skills, but i think if any employer or manager can incorporate some of those skills that aren't used on the day to day but you know maybe maybe you are in marketing but you have something you could contribute uh, you know to sales or to the hr process or you know anything like that where uh, i think just picking out those individual aspects of it i think it also makes the employees feel like you know you care you understand me which I think then in turn motivates the employee to want to kind of reciprocate. And look, I mean, there are always going to be little things that pop up here and there that, you know, the employee struggles with something or or the manager isn't sure where to go with it. But I think if you can do those little things, being part of the process, as all of you talked about, I think that's huge. Um, But if you can incorporate those skill sets that you don't see all the time, you don't get to use all the time, I think that's a big way to to keep people engaged because it's not the same thing every day, which, a lot of times people we talk to, at least myself, you know, that's that's when they really start to lose interest. It's like, oh, I'm doing the same thing every day, so I, I don't even have to think about it. And I think that's unfortunate if it gets to that point. Good point. All right. Well, let's move on to the final subject for today. Sarah, you wanted to bring up something that I think many people are interested in, <laughs> not only for their careers, but of course, outside their careers.
1: Uh, yes, actually, I attended a UWM uh, sponsored concert concert. Uh, conference, excuse me, one of the sessions was um how to achieve life work balance and then I read this article and Forbes on uh, the same thing, and they gave these tips, so I wanted to know how do we how do, how can we have it all um For me personally, I like to do exercising. I like to go for walks because that is my alone time (laughs) (laughs) with a seven-year-old and a very athletic husband who's like always on the go. I like to have my alone time and actually it's promoting my health as well. So I sleep better. I get a good night's rest and I'm able to focus the next day. So I wanted to know what, what you guys you know, do in your day-to-day efforts (laughs) to achieve that work-life balance?
2: I'll start with the basic. I think the key is to find the job that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. liking what you do and who you work with, to me, that's half the battle. Mm -hmm. I also think it's important to carve out time for the things that re-energize you, whether it's doing things with your family and with your friends on the weekends or having some me time like reading (laughs) or going to the spa or catching up with your favorite shows. You need to carve out time for that. And you should look at them as appointments, the way you would look at your own Mm. work appointments as appointments. And then you're honoring them and you're taking them just as seriously as work appointments.
3: I like that. I've heard that many times over again. I've looked at the same thing, uh, Sarah. My days are Mm -hmm. very long. I have a commute and two kids. And um, so this is just one of those things that's constantly on the forefront. But one of the things that I really have liked the most a lot of people will say to pay yourself first. So the mm-hmm. day gets busy, you move on. You you know, plan to go exercise at night and it doesn't happen. You plan to go to dinner with your girlfriends, it doesn't happen. You, you know, plan to watch that favorite TV show, it doesn't happen. And so experts will tell you if you pay yourself first, so get up mm-hmm. earlier, get up an hour, hour and a half earlier than you normally would, do that one thing that's going to make you feel good and give you that time to yourself, whether it's exercise, reading a book or whatever it may be, first thing in the morning, because you're going to be energized. You did what you wanted to do before you mm-hmm. did your daily work. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a lot happier. So I thought that was really good. I've tried it. I I, I, will admit, <laughs> I will admit I haven't been 100% consistent with it, but the days that I do it, I mm-hmm. feel really great and energized. So I think it is something valuable to think about.
0: And I think it is a tough balance. Obviously, that's why that term is in there, and um, you know, for the employers that are listening, understanding that unfortunately, if your employees are struggling to find some sort of balance, it doesn't have to be any, nobody's going to believe it's a 50-50 type thing. But if they're not getting that me time, that Mm -hmm. re-energizing, it is going to affect them in the workplace. So I think it's important that if there is something an employer can do, you know, obviously there are things like wellness programs that can help with that or, you know, things at lunch or groups Mm -hmm. that that people put together. I think that's great if an employer can help. Um, Obviously, though, it does come down to the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for me, I love sports, so I get caught up in that stuff. I think it's important to, um, you know, I love both of your ideas as far as, you know, having it be almost like an appointment, essentially setting aside a time immediately, um, as opposed to waiting and seeing if it'll happen. And then, um, and I agree with you, Sarah, just, it's okay. Even if you have kids or a spouse <laughs> or a best friend or a roommate, it's okay to want to be alone sometimes. Um, I know most of you probably, feel like I always want to be alone, I hide, <laughs> out, hide out in the studio or whatever. But uh, but no, I think that's important too, because it's just it's just a way to you know, just decompress a little bit. Uh, I recently read an article too, or even at work, they suggest people not only taking a break, but just going into like a, a conference room and for 10 minutes, just some deep breaths, just relax. And it really does help your mind mm-hmm. and it helps your body. And And then you get back and then instead of trying to plow through something for two hours, you know, you took that little break and all of a sudden it's like, you're right back at it. So um, you got to find what works for you, obviously. But I, I think that the worry people have is that they're, you know, they feel a little guilty about taking that time for themselves or setting that, that time aside. So, um, again, hopefully those listening, we have some some great perspectives in here. People who have been successful, I think, both in your personal lives as well as with your career. So did anybody else want to add anything to that subject?
3: I think the one other thing I would say is I think people struggle with this because they think they need to devote a big chunk of time. Hmm. But Mm -hmm. a lot of research shows if you just take a little bit of time, even if it's 10 minutes here, it's 10 minutes there. For myself, one other thing I Mm -hmm. do is I like to take just a re-energizing walk at lunch. But it's not a long walk. It might be 10 minutes someday if that's all I have. It might be 20 Mm -hmm. probably at most. But that walk clears my mind. It gets me re-energized. So I'm just saying a lot of times you think you don't have the time, but just make that few minutes. It'll be better than nothing.
0: Right. Again, some good tips. I think, uh, you know, we covered a lot of different areas, as we always do, and that's why it's really cool to bring in different people and a different mix. You know, we used to kind of get stuck in a rut as far as having the same people. I think it's really cool to... Sarah, I'm saying, like, we had the <laughs> same... A, B, and C. And the next time it was A, B, and C. So I think it's really cool to get the different perspectives in here. Unfortunately, we do need to wrap things up here on this edition of the LJN Radio Quad. As always, feel free to send us a message to Radio at localjobnetwork.com. Let us know what you like about these shows. Give us some topics for future episodes as well. You can also follow us and contact us on Twitter. You can find us at the LJN. And please don't forget to check out all of our podcasts on LJN Radio. Lots of good insight from knowledgeable experts. Talk about a lot of the hot topics in the employment world. So for Jamie Goble, Roselle Rogers, and Sarah Holloway, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.